When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. All right, here's what's going on in the NHL tonight. Philadelphia leads Columbus 2-0 at the start of the second period. At the end of the first in Pittsburgh, the Penguins up 2-0 on Toronto. Rust has his 23rd. No score early between the Sabres and the Senators. Chris Phillips getting his number retired tonight. And the Canadians lead Detroit 1-0 with five and a half minutes left in the first. Still to come. Devils at the Blues. Nashville home to Carolina and the Kings will take on the Jets. The Oilers back at practice today. They will play Boston tomorrow. It's right here on 630 Ched. A little bit of an earlier start for a weekday. Face-off show will be at 5, and the game will start at 6.30. And the Oilers announcing today that Oscar Clefbaum will miss two to three weeks with a shoulder injury. Here's head coach Dave Tippett. Clef's been dealing with this for a little bit and uh, finally got to the point where we we wanted to have a look at it and uh, he's uh, got a little procedure done that's going to be out uh, two weeks for sure maybe a little bit more but uh, certainly a big hole it takes a lot of minutes but just like the rest of our injuries right now it's next man up and uh, we've got some young defensemen that have been looking for more opportunity and they're going to get more now so we'll see how they do Oscar Clefbaum leading the Oilers in ice time plays 25-36 per game. He has 33 points on the year. 10 of those in the last 18 games in which the Oilers have enjoyed a record of 12-4-2. So no cleft bomb. He's battled through injuries at other points in his career. Remember last year, the Oilers had a run of 9-2-2 in November and December, shortly after Ken Hitchcock took over as head coach. Uh, Clefbaum got hurt and it really went south for the Oilers there. Now he's not expected to be out long term, but this is a hard player to replace. In some ways, in some ways, I, I think this is a harder player to replace than Connor McDavid. And, and that's not a slight against McDavid. And we recognize McDavid is the most explosive offensive player in the league. You know, but forwards don't play as much, and you have some other forwards you can move around and, and hopefully fill in a little bit for the Oilers. This is a tough one on defense. Clefbaum plays in all situations. You know, he can skate. He's got some size. He's good at getting the puck out, and he's the point man on the number one power play in the NHL. So some changes there. Darnell Nurse will now have to run the first unit power play. I've uh, played on the power play before with, uh, with these guys, so uh, just, just step in and, uh, and do what I can do. Nurse had nine power play points last season. He had to fill in after Clefbaum got hurt. He has three points with the man advantage this year. I was actually surprised he has that many because there really isn't a second power play unit for the Oilers. But I guess Nurse has been out there enough to get three power play assists. So that is tough for the Oilers who are uh, really seeing the injuries pile up. Of course, Connor McDavid. Still out of action. It was, what, a week ago today? They said he'd be out two to three weeks. A little bit of an update here from Tippett. Uh, I know he's coming back today. That's about all I know right now. So we'll uh, we'll get him back here and see where he's at. 
All right. So t- uh, McDavid getting over the quad injury. He did go back to Toronto for some recovery and treatment while the Oilers were on the road trip. And as you heard Tippett say, back in Edmonton today, obviously not skating. James Neal not skating. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, Tippett's got a bit of an update on uh, some other injured players. They might have to call somebody up here to uh, have some more men available. At practice today for the D pairings, you had Caleb Jones go up to play with Adam Larson, Nurse and Bear stayed together, and William Lagason, who has been a healthy scratch most of his time in the NHL, popped in as well, and he was alongside Matthew Benning, and those are the only six defensemen that the Oilers have. Anyway, tip it about possibly calling somebody up, and he has an update on other injured players too. Yeah, I'm going to talk to Ken this afternoon. We're probably going to... Uh probably going to we'll have to call a defenseman where uh, Russell's not ready to go he skated earlier this morning but he's uh, he's not uh, anytime in the near near term here um, James Neal's had a couple setbacks he's probably a couple weeks away yet so he'll uh, he uh, he's not on the ice yet hopefully this week we might get him on the ice but we'll we'll see how that goes all right so James Neal, who originally was day-to-day, now we're hearing another couple of weeks. Chris Russell going through the concussion protocol. Not there yet. And uh, Joachim Nygaard, who was going to miss a couple more weeks at least with the broken arm, and I was talking about McDavid. So add Clefbaum to the injured list. Oh, and by the way, Zach Cassian not available. Still has five games left to serve on his seven-game suspension. So some tough times for the Oilers, who have battled through other tough times this season and have been able to make it through and bounce back and even over this recent stretch of games really thrive, Tippett knows they're going to have to do it again. Well, I think this adversity does make you stronger. You know, like we've uh, we've talked about it as a team and we, like I give our guys a ton of credit. They've hunkered down. We want to play a good, hard, structured style and, and make sure work ethic is at a premium. I give uh, Leon Dreisaitl a ton of credit for that because, I mean, he's... Uh, how well he's played and, and the minutes he's carried and the effect he's had on the game is when, you're, when your top player in the lineup is playing that hard, the rest of the guys, you have to play as hard as that guy's playing himself. So our guys have bought in. We, you know, the, the Carolina game, we, we just hung around the game and found a way to get points. Uh, there's still some things in that game that I'd like to clean up. Like there's some things you can't take two offensive zone penalties in the third period when you're in second of a back-to-back it just doesn't you know those aren't aren't good recipes for success so there's some things we can always get better but like our guys are our guys are working hard we're we understand how we have to play to be successful and that goes right from the top guys to the guys that are getting more opportunity from that have come up from the minors all right, and we have more uh, clips from Oilers practice today as we move along. More from Dave Tippett, more from Darnell Nurse. You'll hear from Leon Dreisaitl, who has 34 points over his last 18 games, enjoying life on that line with Yamamoto and Nugent Hopkins. Thanks for tuning in tonight. It's 6-12. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 6:30. Chad, when we get back, our weekly visit with Kelly Rudy. Time for our weekly visit with former NHL goaltender, now a broadcaster with the NHL on Rogers, Edmonton native Kelly Rudy. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Reed. I think uh, this. I think we had a conversation similar to this about eight weeks ago. I was in a really great mood. I came back from Toronto, and my mom was visiting. So uh, same thing on this. I got home on Sunday, and my mom was here. She'd been here already for a couple of days, spending time with 
my kids, our grandson, and all that. And so, uh, yeah, we're uh, we've we've been having a lot of fun uh, uh, around my mom, and she's gonna go home tomorrow, but we'll see her soon again. Awesome stuff. Well, I missed you last week. Dave sat in for me because I had to go MC a chicken wing eating contest at Hudson's on White Ave, where they're called the Hot AF Wings. They are extremely hot, and people had to devour 10 in two minutes or less. I was surprised how many people did it, Kelly. I think they just... They did? Well, they just tore the meat off the bone and swallowed and then just dealt with the consequences after. That was basically the game plan. (laughs) Because Dave told me, like, you had one, I guess, on a morning show. You went on, and you couldn't even finish one. And I'm thinking, well, who in the world can have 10 then? (laughs) Yeah, well, I took a tentative bite, but you just got to tear into it. And I didn't want to be wrecked for the rest of the day either. So I had one bite and I was like, okay, I can verify they're extremely hot. Anyway, that, that was uh, that was fun. Hey, uh, you know, the Oilers have been playing pretty well here, but it's, it's going to continue to get tough. An- another injury, this one for a guy who plays about 25 minutes a game, plays on the power play, kills penalties, uh, blocks a lot of shots. Oscar Clefbaum, Kelly, is going to be out two to three weeks, according to the Oilers. Yeah, I heard that. And uh, I'm thinking, well, you've had enough injuries already, including the best player on the planet still out. And uh, you guys have been dealing really well with that so far. But when you start to lose uh, other guys, and as you mentioned, Clefbaum over 25 minutes a night, that's hard to, uh, you know, to pick up that slack. And, you know, you had... Larson out for a while this year. It was interesting. I was really thinking about Larson because, uh, not to get away from Clefbaum, but Colby Armstrong was on our show on Saturday and he's he lives in Pittsburgh uh, and he's good friends with Sidney Crosby and they were chatting uh, and I don't know what how they got to this conversation, but the topic of uh, best D-pairing uh, that Crosby faced. Like, he just does not like to face this pairing and it was when Larson was in Jersey and he and Andy Green were paired together. And Crosby said they're just so hard, they're heavy, they're big minutes, they're uh, physical. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't know if a lot of people in the hockey world appreciate the kind of play that Adam Larson brings. And and I'm not going to judge the trade itself. I'm just going to say what he brings and, and that it's a valuable commodity in today's game. Now you lose another big, heavy guy that uh, plays big minutes and club on and You've got to think, uh, it, you know, the team, your team is deep enough, I think, but it, it's certainly taxing on everybody. Yeah, and that, that's a big blow on defense. The, the losses up front, at least to this point, the Oilers have been able to survive. No Neal, no Cassian, no Nygaard, and now obviously no McDavid. They're 3-1 and one without yeah. McDavid. Hopefully he's back maybe, uh, you know, in a, in a week or so. He's now been out a week. But, you know, Dreisaitl has obviously been incredible all season long and and what we saw on this road trip here kelly was the depth guys you know what do your job play in a straight line don't think you're gonna fill in you know now you have to be the guy chipping in for mcdavid's offense being out of the out of the lineup and i thought there was you know good good commitment from the oilers during you know these the the three tough road games tampa bay florida carolina yeah and uh you know, it was interesting. I didn't see the Oiler game, uh, their last Oiler game. And uh, it was interesting, though, the friend that I was talking to in the industry, uh, I was flying home from Toronto that day, and I, I my travel got all messed up. My flight was canceled, all this stuff. So just, uh, but I'm talking to my friend. He goes, yeah, did you see what Dave Tippett did 
uh, in the Oilers game. And I said, no, I missed it. He goes, I guess Dreisaitl's line got scored on early. Is that correct? Yeah, like 12 seconds into the game. Yes, exactly. And so they came back to the bench, and Tippett said, no, no, stay out there. And something like, and get the job done or something like, it was very forceful how he said, no, you're not off the hook that easily. And uh, I didn't see it, so I, I can't verify it. But I'm thinking, isn't that great coaching? Like, you know what? I'm taking charge here. I'm the coach, and uh, I say you don't come off right now. And, you know, pushing a guy like Dreisaitl, I think, is really important because uh, he's such an incredible player, and this is a good experience for him to have to be without McDavid and push himself. And you're seeing now the level he can play at with us. But I think that's really important for the Oilers moving forward. I want to ask you about another guy. Two goals on Sunday, overtime winner, Josh Archibald, who I describe him as a fearless hockey player. And I, I, I'm trying to remember, Kelly, but I think you were you were pretty high on that addition when the Oilers signed him in the summer. I did. I, I remember coming on one of the first shows uh, in September, I believe it was, and raving about him, saying, uh, you know what, the Oilers fans are going to fall in love with this guy because he doesn't have the skill set of, Dreisaitl or McDavid or many others but he comes to play every night and you've got to really appreciate how hard he plays uh, how hard he to play every night it's a rare night when you see Archibald um, not at his best and at his best I mean what he can provide and uh, that's why I always loved watching him uh, before and when the Oilers got that guy I thought you know that's such a great depth signing that uh, he's going to be somebody that everybody's going to follow the, the season. They're going to go, you know what? That's not a big signing, but it's a really smart one. And look how he's helped our team. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports, former NHL goaltender, now broadcaster with the NHL on Rogers, our weekly guest here on the show. Hey, we haven't we haven't talked since the, the whole Cassian kicking incident went down. Actually, Kelly, the suspension of seven games was announced about eight minutes into Inside Sports on Friday night. So I got a lot of feedback from Oilers fans tuning in on Friday. And a, a lot of reasonable reaction. I mean, a little bit emotional. I, I think most fans understand you can't kick. You can debate the number of games. But a lot of Oilers fans I've heard from have framed it this way. Okay, Zach Cassian did something wrong and should be suspended. How come the previous night, Zidane Chara cross-checks Brendan Gallagher very aggressively in a dangerous part of the body and gets off with a, with a fine? That is something a lot of fans, at least I think Oilers fans, are having trouble Grasping. I'm wondering how you see that, the whole stick versus skate argument and and everything that's kind of been debated around this. Well, there's a lot that goes into that conversation, and I don't, uh, I'm not going to debate the fact that that was a bad cross-check by Chara, and I thought maybe uh, under different circumstances he should have uh, at least sat out a game, but when you watch it unfold... And you know the history of those two guys. Those two guys, even because of the, even with the size difference, Gallagher never backs down. And so there's a lot of uh, history there. And when I first watched it, and I thought, oh, my gosh, that's a horrible cross-check. And the, the quick reaction from Gallagher, I thought was going to be, he's going to have to go off the ice and he's going to be uh, out for a while. I, it cer- certainly looked to me like it could have led to a broken jaw or something. But that wasn't the case. 
And and then I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe the league got this right. It looks ugly for our game, but under the circumstances, I can accept it. And then Cassian uh, incident happens, and that one, that was shocking. That That's appalling to me. And uh, you cannot kick under any circumstance. And I'm going to be real honest with you, Reed. I, I think I may have told this story before. I found out years later from when I played in junior hockey, I used to kick guys in the scrum. Now, it wasn't in the chest, it was in the legs, which is still uh, despicable, and I'm appalled at my own behavior, But uh, and I should have been severely suspended. But kicking is, there's no, no room in it or for it in the game at all, under any circumstance. And, and I can't make any excuses for where he kicked him or if he held back or anything kicking is kicking and that's that's such a dangerous thing with the the blades on the skates and we that was so close to me to the neck uh on saturday i said that i didn't think seven games was enough i thought maybe 10 games should have been more appropriate you can debate that all you want that's all good uh but uh, you know there's no room for kicking in the game and that had to be dealt with severely for sure you never got caught, and what and what made you finally realize you can't do that, Kelly? Hopefully, common sense kicked in at some point because I don't think I was. Nobody ever accused me of that. Moving on, like it, so, you I never did it in pro. Happened. I never did it in pro, um, and I was only uh, reminded of it because I sincerely did not remember kicking these two guys. But they're two of the most honest guys involved in the game one was Barry Trotz and one was Troy Loney and they both showed me the scar on the back of their calf where I kicked or yeah kicked them so um you know uh that's why I'm so strong about this Cassian thing because like I said I truly am I'm not I'm not embellishing I'm appalled at my behavior I had no idea that I would have been that kind of player at one point and uh that's very disturbing I, I listen I played hard and I I said I always played with hatred and and anger and so on, but that is completely crossing the line. And had I been suspended 10 or 20 games, I fully would have accepted it because that's that's just so wrong. Well, Kelly, thanks for sharing that. Always appreciate your thoughts. We'll see if Archibald can keep rolling for the Oilers. And, of course, we'll do this again next week, man. Enjoy all the games. Thanks, Reed. Take care, bud. That is Kelly Rudy. We'll update the NHL scoreboard, let you know what trades happen today coming up after the news here on Inside Sports. Nothing. Pittsburgh leading Toronto with six minutes left in the second period. Flyers lead the Blue Jackets 3-1 late in the second. 
First period, 2-2 between the Sabres and the Senators. Early second period in Detroit. Montreal is up 2-1. No score in the first between the Devils and the Blues. Hurricanes lead the Predators 1-0. That's with about four and a half minutes left in the first. Two minutes left in the first period in Winnipeg. The Kings lead the Jets 1-0. Oilers and Bruins tomorrow here on 6.30. Chet, 5 o'clock face-off show game at 6.30. As I'm sure you've heard by now, Oscar Clefbaum out two to three weeks with a shoulder issue. Issue. Head coach Dave Tippett said something that's been bothering Clefbaum for a while, got a procedure done on it, and will need at least a couple of weeks to recover. Trades today. Man, what's going to be left for Monday? Some of the deals over the weekend, too, pretty significant. Brendan Dillon goes to Washington. San Jose gets a couple of draft picks. Marco Scandella goes to St. Louis. The Montreal Canadiens get a couple of draft picks. And Dylan DeMello goes to Winnipeg. Ottawa gets a third rounder in 2020. I, I don't anticipate the Oilers are going to do anything massive before the deadline simply because of their uh, cap limitations. They really can't take on a lot of money unless they somehow move something out. Uh, so I don't think they're going to move out a significant player, and I don't think any team's going to take a salary off their hands just to be a bunch of nice guys. So, But the Oilers may do something, may do a little bit of tweaking. They are certainly facing some injuries, and the depth of the team, of the organization really being tested. EA writing in said, Reed, I was, uh, by the way, you can text or call 780-496-0063. We got about uh, 15 minutes here for open line time till we welcome our next guest to the show. EA says, Reed, I was pleasantly surprised on how well the team responded playing in the Southeast with their injury rose, injury woes. Do you believe that this team has enough depth or will they have their injured players back in time to minimize potentially falling out of the race? I think in the short term, the Oilers can hang around. Now, now luckily, no one is really out long-term. Nygaard's been the longest-term injury. Neal keeps getting a little longer-term. So that has cost the Oilers, but they've had some depth players fill in fairly well. Tyler Benson's been able to get called up, has looked better his last couple of games. Colby Cave can do a decent job in a depth role, but the longer you have to roll with some of these players, the more at risk you are. And, and I really think this cleft bomb injury is the toughest one to swallow. That's 25 and a half minutes for a defenseman who plays in every situation. Now, Darnell Nurse is going to run the power play. Um, somebody texted in, could, could Matt Benning be on the power play? Well, I think you're going to go with Nurse. He's done it before. He skates well with the puck so he could help with zone entries. He has a decent shot himself. We know the issue with Darnell. Sometimes when he gets across the blue line, he doesn't see the play very well. Um, and then I would think it would be Ethan Bear after Darnell Nurse. So that's what I would look for on the power play. I, I said last week, once Cassian was suspended, that there would be some challenges up front because you basically had an entire line out with Neil McDavid and Cassian. Now, Drysdale, Nugent Hopkins, and Yamamoto, they've been playing like a legitimate first line the last 18 games. Benson, Shea, uh, Bench, and Shane and Archibald, to me, that's kind of a third line. And then I said, well, you might have two fifth lines. I know somebody called in on Saturday and said, you heard me say that, and that was incorrect, and, and fair enough, those lines worked hard, they checked hard, but the longer you have to go with those players, the less likely they are to keep repeating their performances. But they, they worked hard, and the Oilers aren't making a lot of massive mistakes, 
And when they do, they've had goaltending cover up for it more often than not. So that's, I think that's going to have to continue to be the formula here for the Oilers. They're still going to get probably most of their offense from Yamamoto, Drysdale, and Nugent Hopkins 5-on-5. Five five. They'll have to continue to win the special teams battle, and they're going to have to get goaltending. But now more minutes are going to fall. I mean, Caleb Jones played under 10 minutes against Carolina on Sunday. He's, he's become a very capable third-pairing defenseman. Now he's going to have to play more than that. And the, and the longer that goes on, the more susceptible the Oilers are going to be to, to players not being able to handle that load. I do not think they're going to fall out of the playoff race. I don't think this is the, the end of the run. I, I, you know, I, the Oilers have done well enough and banked enough points. They can survive a mini slump. I'm not saying it would be pleasant if that happened and, and it would make it a little tougher to nail down a playoff spot. But I don't think they're going to completely fall out of the race. And even if they lost three in a row, they wouldn't completely fall out of the playoff race. They'd fall down in the playoff race, but they they wouldn't fall right out of it. And here's why. Coming into tonight's game, the Oilers are five points ahead of the best non-playoff team. That is the Nashville Predators. Nashville is playing tonight, so that, that total could be reduced. But the Oilers have a little bit of cushion. And as Rob and I often talk about, Nashville doesn't just have to pass the Oilers to get into a playoff spot. Uh, they they got to pass some other teams first. So the points are there. I, you know, I always go to that Sports Club Stats webpage. They have the Oilers at 93.8% probability to get into the postseason. That's pretty nice and high. So they're, they're not going to fall out of the race if they have a bad four to six game stretch. If they have a bad 10 to 12 game stretch, then you could be in the middle of March saying, uh-oh, now they're the team playing catch-up. But they have banked some points. They're playing with commitment. They're, they're playing resilient, and they still have the player who I think is the NHL MVP this season driving the bus and carrying the team a lot of nights, and that's Leon Dreisaitl. Red Deer Rob says, Read in my opinion, this would be the perfect opportunity to bring up Bouchard for a few games. Have a look to see what you can. Slide him in some power plays and a push comes to shove. Playoff time. Uh, you're not throwing him directly to the role, the Wolves. That is from Red Deer Rob. I still think the plan, Rob, with Bouchard is to leave him down there the entire season. Maybe they're going to bring Joel Pearson up as uh, as a bit of a cushion there on the back end. Again, you guys know I'm wrong plenty <laughs> talking about what might happen, but I, I think preferably they, they would leave Bouchard down. I, I know I've heard his name mentioned. And, and I mean, plus it's a, it's a left shot that's, that's gone down too, right? Now, I know, I know if Pearson came, comes up, he's a right shot and, and Jones can play both sides. But I, I, I think they'd be reluctant to bring Bouchard up. Speaking of Leon Dreisaitl, he's obviously doing incredible, has 95 points, leads the NHL. Some other high-scoring players coming to town tomorrow. Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak, incredible line. So I, I believe that Leon Dreisaitl is, I actually believe he's at the top of the list for Hart Trophy discussion. Now, I've seen every second Leon has played this season. I haven't seen every second McKinnon has played or Pasternak or other players who are having great seasons. But we're almost three-quarters of the way through the year, and Dreisaitl has been exceptional. Yeah, you know what? He had a bad December. The Oilers had a bad December. But he is 
absolutely he's he could potentially run away and hide here with the scoring title and i know it's not just about points but he's producing almost every night he's producing five on five he's producing on the power play he leads the league in assists he has he's in the top 10 in goals but it was interesting today, and I don't, I don't, I don't know if you saw this, Kellen. There's, a, there's a website, and I actually, it's a website and a Twitter account, and I actually asked these guys. It's, it's twin brothers who run this website, and I actually asked them to come on the show tonight mm-hmm. to talk about their methodology, and they, they would have, but they're busy with family stuff. Maybe we'll get them on another time. Okay, Kellen. You you are either working all the Oilers games with us or you're watching the game. Mm-hmm. So you are well aware of what the Oilers have done this year and how the games have gone. Right, yeah. And you follow the rest of the NHL fairly closely. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, you can't watch every game, but you know generally what's going on, who the good players are, who's having good seasons. Pretty much, yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to ask you as a relatively informed human being and someone I respect. Thanks, Reed. Uh, would you would you say it would be fair of me to put Leon Draisaitl in the top ten for Hart Trophy candidates? Absolutely. This season, yes. Would you say it would be fair of me to put Leon Draisaitl outside of the top ten for Hart Trophy candidates? No. Is in your, so in your mind, he's definitely in the top ten. He's in the top Let, ten. Let's just use yes. top ten as a yeah as the cutoff line. Okay. He, he's in the top ten for this stretch alone playing without McDavid and putting up the numbers. That you he's think done. just the way he's done alone would elevate that, him into the top right. 10, yeah. even if his first 40 games had been kind of mediocre. Mm-hmm. But but they weren't. He's like, Again, and again, it's not just points. Okay, you can look at plus minus if you want. You know, I get it. So this this Twitter account, and they are called Evolving Wild. And we're, 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 maybe we'll get these guys on some other night. They have Leon Dreisaitl approximately 25th as the 25th best Hart Trophy candidate. Okay. Now, they're heavy on analytics. I, I, I talked to somebody I, I know locally who, uh, you know, is pretty big into analytics. And he said, I like analytics, but if you're putting Leon Dreisaitl 25th, you're just not paying attention. Some of the players that these gentlemen, these twins, have above of Leon Dreisaitl in the Hart Trophy discussion include Brad Marchand, Pasternak, McKinnon, Eichel, Peterson in Vancouver. You know what? Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Those guys are great. They're having great seasons. Yep. They also have ahead of Dreisaitl. Craig Smith from the Nashville Predators. Nikushkin. Jacob Verana from the Washington Capitals. And Jake Gensel, who's now hurt for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Craig Smith has 17 goals and 11 assists on the season. He has 28 points. He has about a third of the points of Leon Dreisaitl. And they mm-hmm. ha- like, I, I, I seriously got to ask these guys, what information are you... And maybe it's not information. Maybe it's fictional information. Maybe it's fake news. <laughs> so I, I don't know how this happens. I, I think sometimes... When it comes to some of this, the, the analytics stuff, and you know what? This is not a shot at any analytics stuff. It's it's not, you know, people against them or me against them. I think a lot of it is very interesting, and I think a lot of it is valuable and maybe thinking. I think it's good to open your mind and maybe think a different way about players. But I also think whatever these guys are using, they're emphasizing something way too much. 
if you have a 28-point player as a better Hart Trophy candidate than not just a 95-point player, the leading scorer of the NHL. Another argument that I've seen against Dreisaitl's uh, strength as a candidate for the Hart Trophy is that too many of his points are on the power play. Which, again, the power play is a way to score goals in hockey. If you're good at it, to me, that's a plus. Okay, I get it. Most of the game is played five-on-five, and Leon maybe had some tough games five-on-five. But to, to me, that's like looking at a wide receiver in football saying, well, he may lead the league in receiving yards, but he gets a lot of yards after the catch. He gets a lot of yak. So how good can he really be? Actually, getting yak is part of being a good receiver. Anyway... I feel this is just like the comedy part of the show, that people are trying to dismiss Dreisaitl's season. He's outstanding. And yet, you know what? He's not perfect. He's had his struggles. He, you know what? He clearly has had games where he's gotten frustrated and, uh, and, and you know, maybe tries to, to do a little bit too much. But sometimes he looks like he's going to try to do too much, and then he beats three guys one-on-one and makes a spectacular play. Anyway. Murr, the Flames guy. Well, a Flames fan writing in. Leon is the best player both ways, wise in the league. Definitely Hart Trophy material. Jack never stops mentioning his name during games. It's been like that since he was called up. Another texter says, uh, Yamamoto has saved Dreisaitl's career. Look at the 18 games before Yamamoto and without McDavid to get sugar points from. Uh, I would not agree that Yamamoto has saved Dreisaitl's career. I think he's helped that line as a whole. I, I think they have a legitimate deadly line with those three players. Full credit to Yamamoto. If it, the top, the, the, there's all this stuff about driving a line, driving a line. You got to drive your own line. You need at least one other good player on the line. Like one offensive player on his own is not going to be as, as successful. And and look at Nugent Hopkins. Like his wingers last year were. He often had fourth-line wingers playing on a second line with him. Now look at the point production. So, yeah, it's the team as a whole, and Yamamoto has been a huge, huge boost to the team, and, and, and good for him. But uh, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say Yamamoto has saved Dreisaitl's career. I think Dreisaitl was on his way to having a pretty good career. Uh, 780-496-0063 is how you text. Quick timeout. We'll uh, share a quick visit with Judge Surratt from the Bruins broadcast booth. We'll be throwing balls to Jimmy Ralph this season. Ralph signed as a free agent last week, and he'll join us later on tonight on Inside Sports. Well, our next guest, the first time we spoke with him, he was working in Chicago, and we had him on shortly after the Cubs won the World Series. He's now the play-by-play voice for the Boston Bruins on 98.5, the Sports Hub. He's good buddies with Rob Brown. Judge Surratt is on the line. Judge, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm good, Reed. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for taking a few minutes to check in tonight, especially on a day where you had to go to the dentist. You came all the way from Boston to call a hockey game and go to the dentist. What's going on? 
<laughs> apparently something happened in New York that forced me to see the dentist in uh, Edmonton. So that's life on the road. All right. Well, you can talk and you're, and you're on the radio, so uh, so everything's fine. Hey, fun showdown tomorrow. E- even though the Oilers are missing some guys, including McDavid, you have some of the best offensive players in the NHL set to go head-to-head. Um you know, tell me a little bit about that line for the Bruins and contrast it with the contributions of their depth players because that's often something we talk about here in Edmonton too. All right, well, let's start with the top line. I think, you know, as far as a 200-foot line around the National Hockey League, uh, there are very few lines that I think that compare to the way that they're able to play Reed. And really, uh, on any given night, whether it's David Pasternak, Brad Marchand, or Patrice Bergeron, they can all be dangerous. One can be the goal scorer. One can be the setup guy. Just to give you an example, uh, as well as David Pasternak has played here, and he's tied for the league lead with 42 goals. Obviously, Austin Matthews is in action tonight. But Patrice Bergeron, since he came back from injury on December 9th, has one more goal than Pasternak has. Uh, and Brad Marchand has been a terrific uh, setup man for both of those guys this season. As far as the depth, uh, I, I think you've seen the Bruins – and they've been good all season long, and they feature the best record in the National Hockey League. But here since the All-Star break in the bye, their level of play has taken a jump. Part of that uh, is the way that lines two and three have performed and produced for Bruce Cassidy, in particular a guy like Charlie Coyle. I want to say he's got five goals in his last seven games. And when those two lines can take it to that level, uh, the Bruins become exponentially tougher uh, to beat. But that said, you know, the Bruins are facing off against an Edmonton team, and, you know, and they see what's going on. They understand who's out of the lineup, whether it's Cassian or McDavid or now Clefbaum's out of the lineup, but they're still winning games. So the Bruins are aware of that, and they understand that they're playing some teams here on this West Coast swing that are desperate to solidify a spot in the playoffs, and they know they have to be ready. All right, and, uh, you know, Edmonton walked into Boston and played, I thought, one of their best games of the season earlier this year and, and, and got a 4-1 victory. So Boston will be looking for a little bit of, uh, a little bit of revenge there. Like, tell me just, and sorry, Jed, we're, we're into the final minute and a half here already, but Tampa Bay, as since December 1st, has been incredible. If it comes down to Boston-Tampa Bay postseason, I, don't, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but how do you see that matchup and, and this division race? Well, it's difficult to say. I mean, down here, the stretch, uh, what will be fascinating, Reed, is the Bruins here in the first two months of 2020 have barely played any division games. They're going to play eight division games in March, and that includes two tilts uh, against the Tampa Bay Lightning. One will take place in Boston. One's going to take place down in Tampa Bay. So I think we'll have a better indication uh, of the way that the division is going to be able to sort out. But I think that the way that the Bruins um, are currently uh, comprised, both up front and on the back end. And let's see what Donnie Sweeney's able to pull off between now and and the uh, trade deadline that will conclude here on the 24th. Uh, But I think the Bruins feel confident playing any style against any team, and they feel like they can come out of the East again. All right, Judd, thanks for checking in. I will see you at the rink for the morning skate, man. Always a pleasure. My pleasure, Reed. Take care. That is Judd Surratt, play-by-play voice for the Boston Bruins, 98.5, the sports hub. Okay. Already some trades over the last few days. We're counting down to the deadline on Monday. Bob Stoffer's going to hop on after the news. Eskimos receiver Jimmy Ralph. More of your feedback is welcome. 780-496-0063 to both call and text. It's Inside Sports on Chet.
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.